the numbers all go to 11. Look, right across the board. Wow. 11, wow. 11, and mostly 11. And amps go up to 10. Exactly. Does that mean it's louder? Is it any louder? Well, it's one louder. And that's how we're going to start every episode for the rest of time. Welcome, everyone. That's my favorite. Who would have thought we would have made it this far? Five episodes? What? High five. High five. (laughs) Nice one. High five. Uh, (laughs) Christina Quesada, how are things over at the Quesada family home right now? For those of you that are going back through the hundreds of archives, because I'm speaking to our future selves, this is, we're recording this in the height of coronavirus. And so while my voice probably sounds really lovely on the beautiful mic, Christina is on her Beats by Dre headphones parked in, looks like in her bedroom. I've got a Zoom screen up so I can see. Yeah, nice in the (laughs) guest room. So that's why she sounds the way she does. But how are things over at the, uh, Quesada Casa. We're we're doing fabulous. My coworkers are playing with Legos and video games, so nice. we have a <laughs> good. I get to hide away in the guest room and actually get some productive work done. So hey, we're doing well. Are you sick of people asking how you hanging in there or how you holding up? I don't like God. that question. Can we not use that anymore? Like, hey, we're all we're all doing the same thing here, guys. I don't know what. I just feel like it assumes like things are not going well. And I mean, here's the truth. I mean, not to be crass, but you know, there's a lot of really negative stuff, I guess, that you could pay attention to out there, but there's a lot of really cool stuff going on. And I got to be honest, I'm really enjoying being at home with my family more, um, getting a little more time to work out, eat a little healthier. How are you feeling about it? I agree. I'm getting more things done. I mean, it's like we get a free hall pass right now not to have to go to work for an extended period of time. I don't think I've been home this long since like spring break or summer break when I was a kid. Cabo 2000. Cabo 2000. That was... Let's bring it back. (laughs) Just to date ourselves a little bit. Cabo 2000, by the way, was spring break, just in case you weren't queuing in on that. So much uh, SoCo and Lime happening. So much. So (laughs) much. Um. Hey, so we have a topic today that I'm I'm excited about. I think you're excited about and you've got a you've got a great guest lined up for us to do a little interviewing, but it's like not the obvious topic and I'm really yep. glad that we're talking about. It. So today we're going to be talking about how to find extremely talented people for your business. And there are a ton of books out there on recruiting and talent and we're going to mm-hmm. talk to a gal that is uh very, very proficient in this field and has some really good tips for us. But here's why I'm excited about the topic right now. If you think about what's going on in the world right now, what's happening? People are losing their jobs. And so why the heck would we be talking about hiring in a time when everyone's losing their job? Christina, I'm going to, I'm, I'm quizzing you. Why would we talk about that? <laughs> well, I'm cheating because I think I, I already know the answer, but there is a crazy talent pool out there right now when I know a month or two ago, we wouldn't have these people available and looking for, for work. No. So what a great time to like scoop up some awesome talent for your business. It's insane. If you think of it, like in, unemployment was record low. I don't know, three, 4%, something like that coming into coronavirus. Yeah. Now you have p- millions of people that have lost their jobs, which, you know, on the surface, obviously we don't want to see anyone hurt. We don't want to see anyone in pain. But if you're a business owner 
And it makes mm-hmm. sense, obviously, financially, um, or it could make sense. What an amazing time to find exceptionally talented people that have been let go by their business, or maybe they're reevaluating their careers. Right. And I know in the past when we've hired, it's been a struggle to find the right people and understand what to look for and where to find them. I mean, we like, we'll post it on social and ask some friends, but I don't think we've ever had a true process. I'm really interested to see um, what our guest shares with us today. Okay. Well, let's hop into it. So we don't have too much fluff here on the upfront of the podcast (laughs) as we aim to do. So um, tell us a little bit about uh, it's Tess. She's coming on. You guys have known each other for a long time. She's a recruiting manager for a big medical device firm here in San Diego. Anything else we need to know about her? No, she's a badass. I'm I'm excited to ask her some questions. Okay, let's do it. Let's get her on the phone. All right. All right. We have Tess Christie on the line. What up, Tess? Dave Worth, the man, the myth, the legend. (laughs) Hey, here's what I got for you, Tess. (laughs) How's it going? How are you guys? It's good. We're basically running like a 1980s, like drive time in the morning radio show over here. And you, we've conned you into getting on it. So congratulations on that. <laughs> I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, so oh. w- we were just talking cause there's like a whole world of this podcast that happened before you ever got on the call. Actually, it's been about four minutes, so not that much, but we were talking about the most non obvious, uh, topic for given the, you know, the Corona situation, uh, is the idea that right now is a fantastic time to seek out talent. How do you feel about that? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting time. Um, I think if you put the right processes in place, you can take advantage of this time. I also think there's a lot you kind of need to navigate through and be sensitive of, but yes, unfortunately right now, there's a lot of talent on the market. That's Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, a big corporation like yours that you work for, I mean, is that even a conversation? Because mm-hmm. most of the co- corporations that, you know, whether it's entrepreneurs, business owners or people that are, you know, in C-level positions, you know, mm-hmm. there's I think there's such a big focus, obviously, on, you know, trimming the fat and leaning up and things like that. You know, as a yep. somebody that professionally recruits for a living, you know, how do you view this? And is that a conversation that, you know, is, is the recruiting conversation even existent right now? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. It's every single day has brought a different conversation on this topic. So it started with everything's fine, keep going, develop your candidates, build your pipeline. And then the next week it was, let's go ahead and shut everything down. And then this week, as I told Christina, um, unfortunately we have had to make some really tough decisions For around sure. furloughs and um, salary cuts. So that is the way that my organization has decided to weather the storm. Um, so right now, the reason why we're not, Dave, having conversations with candidates is because we can't give them a timeline. And we feel it's the wrong thing to do to get somebody excited about changing careers or coming back Mm -hmm. to work. And we don't have a timeline ready. So that's kind of where we're at. That's fair enough though. I think that's actually a great call. Well, I think that's way more fair, but I guess my bigger question is, is not so much hiring them right now, but identifying them. I mean, or is that still something that you're working on creating that bench of talent? Yes. Yes. 
so we had a lot that was in the works just prior to, you know, things basically shutting down overnight. So we are continuing to have conversations with candidates that were far along in the process. Mm -hmm. Additionally, we have, you know, tons of tools that we can talk about to whatever degree you guys want that um, kind of support us in candidate outreach and at least having some conversations. Um, we had open roles before this happened. We are very confident that those roles will be filled when this is kind of lifted, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, again, we just don't want to mislead or cause somebody to leave their job right now. We'd rather have that company pay them and keep yep. their, you know, keep their salary um, intact. But uh, we're always having conversations. So the way that I lead my team is if somebody reaches out to you or you see somebody with a background that you think is something you want to look at we we're having conversations all day every day and if they're not there's probably an issue yeah <laughs> yeah well and i think that makes sense i mean you've got to be socially responsible and sensitive to your point right like we're not saying hey go out and like make a bunch of promises you can't deliver on i think the i think for me what i'm thinking of as a small business owner is man so many people just you know, either got let go or maybe they're reevaluating. I think this is the time to start conversations about the future. Maybe you're not throwing an offer out there. Maybe you're not making a hire right now, but I think it's an amazing recruiting opportunity. And that, that's, I think that's the, the standpoint or I guess the frame of mind that I have currently. So, and it sounds like you're not stopping your conversations. It's just, you're not offering up any guarantees for the future. Correct. I think another way to look at it is amping up our networking capabilities. So those times when we're super busy and we have X amount of open requisitions and my team looks after sales recruiting. So anybody that carries a bag, so to speak, and, and sells our products into hospitals and healthcare systems, when we're at peak and we're kind of rocking and rolling, we don't have time necessarily to have open-ended conversations. Yeah. But what we do have time for now is... Um, amplifying wink wink our <laughs> I get what you did there <laughs> and um, you know connecting with people like I said passive conversations keeping an eye on where things are I mean I really encourage my team every single day to, to watch some of the news and keep an eye on the market and kind of get a sense of what they feel like you know they need to do and um, I think it's if you think about it in that way it's pivoting to building up your network versus maybe traditionally recruiting, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's totally. And I think that's exactly what we're talking about. You know, the industry yeah. we, we're in right now, it's kind of shocking there. You know, some of our competitors are actively recruiting our people. And quite frankly, our people are turned off by the tactic because it's so like, um, insensitive. Yeah. And just totally tone deaf yeah. and just lame. Um, and at the same time, I know we're, you know, kind of has keeping these conversations open and just coming from a completely different place. Um, and I think it's appreciated because like you said, it's kind of that networking, networking thing is lining it up for the future and keeping those conversations open. So I think you make a great and you point. you should always be doing that, not to interrupt, but you, that's something I wanted to talk about today. If it, if the opportunity presented itself is this concept of thinking about talent versus experience and ABC always be well, I guess not calling, but ABR, always be recruiting, always, always having that eye open. Hmm. Um, and it's, it's really about your perspective on what talent looks like versus experience. And so that's 
kind of a whole other tangent that I'll let you guys obviously guide the conversation. But well, no. So that, I think that's a perfect segue because I, I think we, we want to get into that lane of like identifying talent because, you know, yeah. as business owners, um, I know I've made the mistake and Christina, you've made the mistake with me. Um, yep. of rushing to make a hire because we didn't do this upfront stuff, right? We didn't keep a, a talent bench. We didn't keep a network. And suddenly you're scrambling. And, you know, if you look at like the economy and the world of before we went into coronavirus, I would, I, I think that finding extremely talented people was actually kind of challenging because everybody was employed. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's that aspect of it, but I'm really curious about, you know, what talent means to you and as somebody that does this for a living, like what's the difference to you between talent and experience? Cause I think a lot of people look at experience and they don't mm -hmm. really even know how to identify talent. Yeah. It's such an interesting word, right? Because I think if you lined up five people and asked them to define it, you'd get five very different answers. And I think the majority of those answers would be centered around experience. So they're talented because they've sold real estate before or they're talented because they've run a real estate firm before. And that, you know, I've been a recruiter for, for Christina, when did we graduate college? 13 years. <laughs> Don't age us, Tess. <laughs> oh my God. I um, so I, even coming into this organization and working with a consulting firm that we've worked with for five, almost five years since I started here, my world was rocked. My definition of talent was completely upended. Mm -hmm. And so talent, the way that we define it, and I don't want to take credit, this is truly, you know, um, the work of the consultant that has been teaching us this for many, many years. Talent is kind of those innate, um, they're, they're unchangeable, if that's even a word. Mm -hmm. it's, it's something that you, it's a natural pattern that is just part of who you are. And it's very, very hard to identify we use um, a selection assessment tool. So we use a scientific um, proprietary tool. Not every business is going to have access to that. But right. talent to me are those things you wake up every day and you can't help but do the things you do. That is talent. So hmm. give us an example from your world. Like what would be one yeah. key characteristic that you know is going to make somebody a talented person? Yeah. So it, it kind of, um, it's, there's kind of two prongs to it. So um, again, since it kind of comes out in your daily work and we don't necessarily know it, our goal is to try to kind of match those innate talents up with the right role. But just as an example, for hiring experience versus talent, um, you know, you may assume that because a person has managed a team of people before, like I mentioned earlier, or they've, they've done the job before that they're good at it, and the fact that they can rattle through all those questions in an interview setting and kind of knock your socks off in that first meeting doesn't necessarily mean that assumption is correct. Right. And what we're trying to do is leverage the innate qualities and convert it into performance. So that's the whole other piece of this is accelerating performance by identifying those talents. So I have some good questions that we tend to ask. Um, candidates in order to kind of get to their innate talent. If you're not using a selection assessment tool, which is truly an online, um, unbiased, data-driven tool that helps us identify. So, so Dave, to kind of roundabout answer your question, we do leverage a tool. I can't, 
I can't talk to somebody today and kind of know what talents they possess. I'll, I'll be very honest. We, we have the luxury of a, of a consultant that designed a tool for us, but um, there are some questions that you can ask and there are some ways that you can kind of get to know a person versus asking about their experience. Those are two very different things. And that's what we try to focus on in the interview so, process. Build, build a good test. Get, what's an example of a question that we could ask that would kind yeah. of that out like somebody's uh, personality, style, or natural pattern habits that, sure. that would be beneficial. We're trying yeah. to simplify again, things here. Get it? <laughs> let's, keep bat, let's keep back in that, batting that back and forth. <laughs> And I know I write these, so again, I don't want to take credit, but yes, um, basically when you want to pull talent out of somebody and you're not using a tool, you have to ask better questions, period. Yeah. Right. And, you know, in my world, we hire salespeople, you guys hire salespeople in many different ways. Right. Um, so one of my favorites is if you had the chance to be in a room and the audience was all potential customers. Right. So in your guys' world, I guess all potential home buyers. Sure. What would be your goal that day? Huh. So what you're listening for in that scenario, obviously that's an open-ended question. This is not a, tell me about the job you had two years ago and why you left. Like resumes pretty much can give us the insight there. But when you're asking that question, you're trying to pull from that candidate. Do they understand how to influence the feelings of those around them? Because in a sales environment, that's critically important is influencing feelings. We all know that. Um, you know, another really good example, when a customer calls you, what is their primary reason for calling? Right. Any, any answer, you know, could come up. But what you're listening for, do they show up as a true advisor or are they showing up as strictly a transactional salesperson? Right. And you're going to find a lot of information out of asking better questions and, and going into an interview with, I want to get to know this person, what makes them tick, what gets them out of bed every day, not a resume review or, um, you know, where they've worked. Right. Because I'm sure that's what people are, have a habit of doing that haven't gone through the process or don't do this day in and day out like you do. They just sit and look at the resume, ask questions about their past experiences, but these questions, I mean, you're kind of like a talent guru over there, like a ninja getting out like <laughs> these deep answers on how they actually behave. I'm loving this. I can't wait to try this next time we hire Dave. This is going to really be fun. like, this is gold. Yeah. Maybe we it's should send this fun. podcast to people and be like, here's what you're in for. So here's your, here's your interview. <laughs> call, we'll be like, call us. You know what? Maybe we don't release this episode or else you're going to give away all your good interviews. <laughs> They're going to know how to answer. Totally, I've, but you have to think about it, right? Like everybody has maybe two or three innate talents. That's what the science tells us. We want to pull those out. You want to put that person in the role that is going to leverage those two or three talents. And I can just about guarantee you, you will see accelerated performance in a very short period of time. So you brought, you brought up something interesting before, and I want to revisit it. You know, you said it's one thing to identify the talent, but it's another thing to figure out like how you're going to pull performance out of that. I want to know what that means. Yeah, that's, that's the really fun part about this. So Christina, I was actually thinking about your brother who recently joined your firm, correct? Yep. Yeah. So 
Chris didn't necessarily have experience prior. Right. There were some innate talents that obviously by way of being his sister, you knew he was at, <laughs> right? Yeah, luckily I didn't have to go through the, the interview process since I knew <laughs> yeah. him in and out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, technically this is hiring family and friends, which is another sure. topic. We can go there or we can't. <laughs> um, but I think what you did is you found a way to line his talents up with the right role mm-hmm. and hopefully performance then correlates. 100%. Yeah, that's great. And and Dave, I think to answer your question in other environments, whether it's an entrepreneur who's hiring or a bigger corporation, we track performance data over at least a period of six months. We like to have two two good quarters of performance and role. Okay. Or we can then go back and look at the talents that showed up in their selection assessment or during during the interview process, depending on whether or not you use a tool, and we see what correlates. And the consultant that we use, it's, it's pretty much seven to eight out of 10 times we're going to get the hire right. We're going to hire correctly and we're right. going to see the performance correlate. Um, it really is very data driven at that point. We really look in our world again at sales. So we look at quotas and quota attainment mm-hmm. over a period of a minimum of six months. And then we do a look back to their selection assessment and their talents that were um, gleaned from that assessment process. So uh, I'm, I'm going to assume though, I'm going to assume though that a lot mm-hmm. of the people listening to this do not have that big data, yeah. big analytics. I'm curious yep. there, I, you know, I'm assuming that there's probably some old school stuff, uh, that maybe, you know, maybe it's not old school. I don't know, but you know, there's gotta be stuff that, you know, the typical small business owner or entrepreneur mm-hmm. could, pull from the big stuff that you are doing and, and simplify it a little bit. So I'm curious about that. Yeah. I, I think my best guidance in that regard is, is what we do now. I think regardless of the size of the corporation or the organization, you have to set clear expectations for performance and role on day one. What does so that mean? Chris, like what, what does that look like? Yeah. So for, let's just keep the Chris example. Cause I love him. Good old so Chris. You, <laughs> he's the best. So you have five things on day one. You created this role. Let's say it was a new role. And so the role is still in development. And obviously you still have things that you're going to work at over time. But Mm -hmm. on day one, or let's call it week one, as the hiring manager or the leader, their expectations need to be set and they need to have metrics around them. Mm. So this deliverable within 90 days, this training within your first 60 days, over the next year, you need to have X amount of showing is complete and that needs to convert into X amount of homes sold. I'm being, I'm just really throwing stuff out there right now, but they meet those clear expectations that are measured over time will be able to help you get better and better at this. So if you look back and say, okay, I think Chris is really talented in this area. He's going to be in this role. And this is where I need to see him perform in mm-hmm. order to obviously continue employment. So For me, the whole way that we do it is we look at quota attainment, a way that anybody could do it, any hiring manager or any business owner, is through setting clear performance expectations on day one. We all have them, right? You have them, Jenna has them, everybody has them. But they have to be clear, simple, and they have to be measurable. And then is it a trial period? Like, yeah, is it a trial period or is it like, let's say somebody's not hitting the mark uh, as you're tracking them. 
Mm-hmm. Are you going to reposition them within the company or since you hired them for that role and they're not performing, they're out? Like, how do you, Yeah. is there a certain point in time when you have to just call it like it is and, and yeah. they need to go or? Yeah. So depending on the role, um, typically in sales, if they're not hitting specific um, performance expectations within a set amount of time, mm-hmm. they're put on a performance improvement plan. Those plans are typically anywhere from 30 to 90 days. And if expectations aren't met and things basically don't turn around, then we, yeah, we let them go. And got it. Um, we hope that they find a, a position where their talents can be leveraged and they're a better fit. Um, that's going to change depending on what type of a role it is. But I truly believe from a grocery store clerk to a CFO, everybody yeah. needs clear expectations and everybody can be measured on performance. Do you think that that's, I think that step gets skipped a lot from, you know, some of the folks that, um, you know, I do consulting with in business where they're fearful mm-hmm. that they're going to lose the talent by setting up mm-hmm. clear expectations. Like, um, mm-hmm. like you said, like a sales quota, it's like, maybe you have somebody that has a great track record with another company. And so mm-hmm. they skip that because either a, they feel they don't need it because they've already had this track record or they're fearful that if they, you know, put these guardrails in that the person can't be free to go do sales. Like, what do you think about that? I think to be perfectly blunt, what is the point of hiring somebody if it's not to accelerate performance? And I'm going to throw around that tagline a lot because it's really changed the way that I think about people. Mm-hmm. Every company needs to grow. Every company wants to meet or exceed whatever it is that they're going after. The only way that you can do that is to set expectations that people that can then therefore meet or exceed. Mm-hmm. Um, in that example, Dave, I would say that's probably a a weak leader. And I hope I'm not, <laughs> I hope I'm not. No, hurting it's true. Oh my God. But, so many uh, people just got offended. They go, wait, I'm a weak leader. <laughs> I don't know Tess, but she just called me a week later. <laughs> you know, we That's always it. say companies will live and die by their frontline leadership. That frontline hiring manager or that person that's supervising you and guiding you and helping you grow every single day, depend, depending on um, how you look at it, in my opinion, and based on the research that we've done and, and kind of the success that we've seen using these talent-based hiring methods, that is mm-hmm. the most critical role in any organization. People leave managers, they don't leave companies. You guys have probably heard that. Mm-hmm. And if it's somebody who's not setting expectations and you're walking into work every day and you don't know what's expected of you, that's not that's not a good experience. Let's now, talk on, a, both, on both sides. Can we talk a little bit about keeping talent? Yeah. Retention? Because I've, I've got to imagine that that's part of your world as well is that when you mm-hmm. do have extremely talented people, you know, they're going to, they're going to need that, um, ability to grow as well. Like what, what does that look like? What, you know, give us, give us a couple of tips on retaining talent. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a huge piece of it. Again, what's the point of hiring great people if you can't keep them? That's a no brainer. Um, I'm going to plug another organization here that we use that you guys are probably very familiar with, but we work with Gallup. And so you can kind of think of things in two different buckets. One is the selection assessment criteria that I just talked about that gets people in the door. Okay. So they've gotten in the door. Let's kind of push the selection piece aside. Now we want to find out more about who they are and what their strengths are. So talents and strengths are actually a little bit different. I won't go too deep. 
So what we try to do once the person is in the door is get to know their top strengths. And we use a program called Strengths Finder. I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Dave, I think you should get the team together and I'm dead serious and pay, I think it's 55 bucks a head. And you guys should all know your top five strengths like tomorrow. Yes. I it's love it. so great. It's the best tool that I've ever been exposed to. So once you get the person in the door, you get them up to speed on their day to day, you find out what their top five strengths are, and then you leverage those strengths to accelerate them within their role. So whether that's taking on additional responsibility or um, taking things off their plate. So a huge piece of retention is figuring out what people are really, really good at and leveraging that and watching performance skyrocket. So I'll give you an example. Um, Achiever, there's a very common strength. There's 34 of them and and, um, that Gallup defines. And one of them is Achiever. Achiever basically means I love that list. I get out my list every day and I have to check things off and I can't put my computer to sleep at night until I check my entire list off. Mm-hmm. Achiever is like number 31 for me. I don't, I like a good list, but I don't, I'm okay with letting things roll over the next day if I feel like I'm not ready to check it off. Me okay? too. Uh, it's right. probably 34 I'm on the my same. list. <laughs> okay. So, okay, good. I don't feel like such a slacker. <laughs> so, so, but there's somebody else on my team. We've got four leads on my, on the recruiting team at my company, and she is number one at Achiever. That's her number one strength. So I often, knowing that, because we all got together and we did a strengths debrief and we all have each other's top five strengths in our email signatures and it just becomes a second language, I pull her in when I need somebody to help me with that prioritization, organization, and getting things done. Because I'll go off and get in my creative mode and my strategic mode and I'll forget some things and she's really good at helping me come in. So. Or, or coming in and helping me, excuse me. And so by way of knowing everybody's strengths, you can move things on or off your employee's plate to mm-hmm. capitalize on those strengths. So how does and that, how does that tie into retention? Is that kind of factor into like job satisfaction? Absolutely. Yeah. So when people are doing what they, what they do best every single day, their engagement is typically very, very high. Um, obviously throughout the last few minutes, I haven't mentioned anything about weaknesses because Gallup and and my company as well, we don't believe in focusing on weaknesses. We believe in focusing and leveraging strengths and Mm -hmm. then figuring out a way to quote unquote manage your weaknesses or what would be in your bottom 10 of your 34, right? Right. So absolutely, Dave, if you're putting people in roles where every single day, not just once a week or once a month on a project or a call. Every single day they're doing what they do best and you've done the work to get to know them and figure that out. They will be more engaged, more productive, and they will lead to better performance outcomes essentially every time. I mean, that's a pretty safe bet. Yeah. Right. Dave, it's so funny. I think of how like we've gotten to where we are today and it's taken years of strength discovery and, and <laughs> figuring out what everybody should be doing. To well, say that we've taken, taken the long time. path would be an understatement. <laughs> That's okay. You got yeah, it. We could have gotten okay. so much quicker. Yeah. My, my first assistant happens to now be my top salesperson. So go figure. Yeah. 
And I, and I pulled out. her from a situation where she was a top salesperson. So that, this kind of proves how good I am <laughs> with recruiting. You know what? You're a top salesperson. I'm thinking you need to be behind the desk doing paperwork. Yeah. Right. Great fit. Yeah, super okay, good. I have I have one more question, Tess, before we let you go. So okay. Okay. we have made some not so great hires in the past. Mm-hmm. And looking back through the interview process, we're like, how did we miss that red flag? Yeah. Is there anything where you just know like red flag that that person's not going to be a fit? Like, is there anything that people should look for where it's like that's kind of, you know, you might want to pass on that person for your company? Oh, God, I mean, if you want to ask me about red flags over 13 years of doing this, I have like a mile long list. <laughs> are there any that are like most commonly that most commonly come up for you? Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about pitfalls, right? Sorry. Like areas where you can maybe find yourself going down a path that's not helping you extract talent from the conversation. Okay. So one, you've got to do it over and over and over. You have to interview a lot. I don't know how much interviewing you guys do, but you, it's just like building a muscle. You have to okay. work it out. Okay. So give yourself some grace. We've, we've all made those decisions and it, sure. it's brutal. It's really brutal <laughs> um, because it's so much harder to get somebody else than it is to get them in. Um, mm-hmm. So number one is practice. Number two is consistent interview questions and consistent interview participants. That is going to eliminate Mm. a lot of bias. And so a lot of times your bias is unfortunately masking those red flags. There's a lot of different HR terminology, like the halo bias is, oh, my, my girlfriend's brother's mom referred this person and I really like them. So I'm definitely going to like the candidate. That's called a halo bias. They come in with a halo on, right? So. If you're not using consistent interview questions, a consistent, um, concise, simple interview process and trying to stick to the same panel of interviewers, you're inviting all kinds of room for bias and for red flags to kind of slip by because this person could say, oh, that wasn't that big of a deal or that didn't, I didn't really pick up on that. Once you get into a good rhythm with the same people, the same questions as much as possible, and keeping your interview process simple, it's going to eliminate a lot of the room mm. um, for these pitfalls to happen. That's such a good point. Because we did have circumstances where maybe one or two people couldn't make it that were normally there, and then we would move ahead. Or, um, yeah, like some sort of bias involved, not necessarily with Chris as our first family hire. But um, <laughs> okay. But that's yeah. such a good point to ask the same questions every time too, because that'll help you reveal, you know, not the red flags, but the personality types that may not be a good fit because they answered differently than your previous interview. And um, yeah, you're right. It's, it's, a, it's a muscle. To, don't compare the person to a person. Right. Compare the person to the role, the role. and what you need in that role. And okay. it's really hard. I can't tell you how long it takes to untrain yourself from some of these common things that they're just kind of built into our brain chemistry as humans. And you really have to, it's just, it's like working out a muscle. So um, those are some really simple ways. I also really, really don't like panel interviews. I like one-on-ones and I don't like an interview team bigger than four. Okay. Uh, 
I think one-on-one interviews draw out a lot more information. Panel interviews invite a little bit more bias, the head nodding, the smiling, the body language. Um, So I really encourage um, uh, eliminating panel interviews as much as you can. I would be so scared to sit down with you for an interview. I I know. Oh, my God. By the end, I would be in, like, tears. (laughs) I don't think it's the team we were worried about. It's being the interview candidate being like, what is she doing? What kind of. She's an interview ninja. Man. Yeah, that's she right. Down. Um, oh, so while, while Christina offered up a last question, I still have two more. So, um, <laughs> so here's one that I hear a lot of business owners go, oh, I hire based on attitude. What do you think about that? I don't, first of all, I don't exactly know what it means. And so therefore I don't really like it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think what they're referring to is like, if somebody comes in and they're chipper and they've got the can do roll up the sleeves attitude. And, you know, I've made a few of those hires where, you know, they, they're great. They seem enthusiastic. And I think that's what they're alluding to. But then at the end of it, it's really, things don't go so well. So I'm, I'm curious kind of what you think on, you know, somebody's attitude yeah. during the interview or recruiting process and, you know, their, I guess their personality is important, but I mean, how important sure. is it versus really to your point, getting into like the facts and the, the talents and things like that? So I look at personality, professional appearance, enthusiasm. I look at that kind of bucket as table stakes. Just like when you're gambling, you know, that's just to get you in the door. Mm. So every single person you talk to, that should be a given. This is about elevating your interviewing and hiring and, and retention game. Mm. Those, those are table stakes. If you're not bringing that to an interview, that, that's a real problem. There's a red flag. That's a red flag. So those are what we talk about. Um, those are what we refer to as table stakes. Those are just the bare necessities, the bare minimum. They should not affect the hiring decision or the hiring outcome if you're asking good questions and you're focusing on innate talent and what you need in the role. Got it. Don't show up drunk to the interview. <laughs> like you're not going to hire a slob off the street. Like it's just, it's just the basics. Yeah. I, but people get they people get tripped up in that all the time. I loved them. They were so I do it too. They were so great. They brought in so much energy. I just I would love to work with them. Yeah. Everybody well, and that's your and, and the, yeah, and exactly that's kind of what I'm alluding to is, you know, we're in we're specifically in an industry where you have a lot of, you know, um, very charismatic people. And mm-hmm. they tend to, I think, fall in love with the personalities, thinking that it's a great attitude to find out that, you know, it's really not a good fit six months to a year down the road. And it's because they haven't really qualified or really sought out the talents, to your point, or the strengths. They've just sought out the personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's very, very common. And it's okay. It's, it's Again, it's one of those things you have to untrain your brain to, yeah. mm-hmm. um, to get better at. Okay, I got one more. Are you good with that? Yeah, yeah. It'd be kind of weird if you said no. So thanks for playing along. Um, <laughs> I, just, I just hung up. Yeah, I just hung up. Bye. Um, so where do you find talent? Because I know that, you know, there's a whole world of online, you know, 
mm-hmm. ways to find talent, but then there's also through, you know, spheres and networks. And I don't necessarily know that there's a one size fits all, but I'm curious as to, you know, you're working for a bigger corporation. So I think you have more resources, but, you know, let's say if you're a smaller business owner um, or a small business owner, you know, what would your suggestion be as to how to go about seeking out talent? Yeah, I get this question a lot. And I often think of our sales hiring teams as many businesses, right? We want all of our sales reps to go into their territory every day and treat it like it's their own business. And that's how they grow it typically is if they have that mentality. So staying in that mentality and on that track, I always encourage people to think local and that's two different ways. That's both with technology and without. So some of the best hires I've seen in terms of performance, right? In terms of what they've actually done at the company, not how they interviewed comes from hiring managers, expanding their LinkedIn network. I think it's the best tool. I'm sure that's, you know, kind of a boring answer, but it's, it's changed recruiting forever. Um, So frontline managers who are reaching out to people with traditional or non-traditional backgrounds. So they're truly networking in the truest sense of the word. They're not just looking for people who are working for their competitors or who have the same type of background. They're truly reaching out to people that don't look anything like them in terms of what's on paper. Hmm. So that's kind of like the technology arm. The other piece of that is, you know, Eventbrite and other platforms that invite you to local networking events, both in and out of your industry. So I'll take my company as an example. We're in medical device. We encourage our frontline managers to go network at um, payroll networking events or um, other B2B companies, you know, other B2B sales organizations and, and just get out there and shake hands, maybe not now, but in a few months, shake hands, <laughs> get to know people, exchange business cards. So if they take that two-pronged approach, both with technology and local events, and they really start locally, you don't have to be networking with people all over the country. You really start to grow your, your local network. Some of the best hiring managers who do that have a bench of talent almost all of the time, just ready to go. Huh. Yeah. Well, you know, I've heard things like, oh, I put a post on Craigslist, but then I got all these other randoms or Indeed or, you know, you name it, they put on ZipRecruiter. And so, you know, it sounds mm-hmm. like to me that really the technology piece per your recommendation is more things like, um, you know, not social, but kind of, you know, LinkedIn or something like that, where you mm-hmm. actually have access to a network, not just throwing it out into the universe and um, fielding, you know, 500 resumes and having to try to sort through it. It sounds like that's not really the way you're doing it. And if you're not doing it at the corporate level, I mean, I can't imagine it would be better for a small business owner to do that. We, we don't want, I don't know how you guys think about it, but we don't necessarily want candidates who are looking for a job. Now, I, I shouldn't make that a blanket statement. There are great candidates who, especially now, are out there looking for a job. The best candidates in terms of performance are typically those who aren't looking and are happy in current roles. Yeah. So LinkedIn is the best platform available today, in my hmm. opinion, to get to that candidate pool that is currently working, not looking, extremely passive. They've also integrated a ton with um, Facebook and Instagram. So if you're good at social media, you can you can connect 
a lot of a lot of those types of posts to to LinkedIn. I have not um, utilized Facebook or Instagram for recruiting at my company just because there's a lot you know there's a lot of lines that could get crossed there. So LinkedIn for me, and even if there's people that you know or or Dave, if you wanted to do this to cough up a little extra dough and get the premium access, it's incredible. It's really, really, really powerful. Mm. Got it. Got. Your wealth, like your so wealth of knowledge. <laughs> I know. I, I know. I'm like, I have too much coffee. I could keep going for like an hour. <laughs> no, this was great. Well, this is awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all your little Thank tips you. and tricks. It's not, it's not an easy world to navigate. So, um, I, I know I am very appreciative. I've learned something. And I know everyone that all 25 people that listen to this podcast are also going to learn something. So, um, well, I'll post it on my Instagram, Dave. I think I have 200 followers. There you go. Yay. Nice. We're going viral. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Tess. And, uh, we will you. talk to you soon. Yeah. We'll see you soon. You guys have a good day. Thank you. you. Thanks, Bye-bye. Tess. Okay. Bye. All right, Christina. Um, you should see my notepad right now. I have so many notes. I'm so excited. I know. I, I, this was probably our longest one yet. And I think it's just cause I was sitting there absorbing all of it. I think there's so many good things. So what were your big takeaways? Let's, let's whittle it down here. I know my biggest one is making sure with the interview process, you have the same people there and you ask the same questions and you have the same process. Yeah. So it's like that. It's something simple that you can do. And if you get away from it, that's when things go sideways. Yeah. I think, um, I think that's a great point. I, I, the other part I think I took away from it was the fact that, um, you know, drawing the performance out of the talent and we've kind of, you know, I think a lot of people inherently know that, right? Like you've got to make sure that Mm -hmm. the person's suited to the role. Um, but maybe taking it that next step. And like she said, you know, spending a little bit of money on the strength finders and really making sure you understand the people that are working around. I know we've used the disc profiling a lot in our Mm -hmm. business and it's been very helpful, but, and I think that's more helpful in terms of, you know, how people work and, and being able to relate to them, to get them, you know, uh, make sure they're not in a constant state of conflict. But I do like the idea of really utilizing a formal strength finder. Um, and then, you know, it's interesting to hear somebody that's in, you know, uh, in a role where they're recruiting for a big corporation and they're using LinkedIn and I know LinkedIn's a big deal and I know a lot of people are on it and I guess that's like an obvious answer, but I can't tell you how many people I know are trying to use Indeed or like these other just cold, um, you know, cold lead style platforms. And it makes so much sense. I mean, LinkedIn, it's like you can go in and figure out who's in your network. And she had a great recommendation. I've heard this one before. and I'm really glad she brought it up was the idea of finding people that are already employed. I think that's very critical. You know, somebody that's looking, um, not anything against them, but I think that people that are already employed and already talented is a great thing. Now, COVID makes that a little bit interesting and that kind of flips Mm -hmm. against what, you know, the way we started this call. But, um, you know, this is probably a temporary thing. So I think that, you know, that's kind of the... Overshadow but that's of that. why this is so, this so it's so key right now is that pool of talent is actively looking, whereas they wouldn't be in the past. And that you can vet out pretty quickly to understand like their situation. For sure. But what a what a great time to get those people engaged when they're actually looking at making a switch because we don't know if they're going back to their company. Yeah. Um, 
gosh, there's just so many good things from that. Tess is a badass. Totally. She's got that thing down, man. Yeah. She's, she's a professional. You can tell. Yeah, a few things to <laughs> learn. Maybe we, should, maybe we should just hire her to do all our hiring for us. <laughs> there's, exactly. there's our simplified step. Just hire somebody else to do it. Um, okay, cool. Well, this was good. I enjoyed awesome. this. Um, I did too. As always, check us out on Instagram. Uh, we're in the process of building a website, by the way. Uh, and I'm pretty yeah, excited about that. So we'll, we'll share that with you all when we're ready, but, uh, we want to know what's cool, what's going on out there. What's exciting. What are you interested in? What do you want to hear about? So, uh, make sure to connect with us through social media, send us some uh, direct messages. Let us know if there's a topic you're really interested in and we'll investigate it, or we'll go find the people that know the most about it. Um, and that's it. I hope everyone stays healthy and safe and happy. And, uh, Christina, this was, this was good. I enjoyed it. Thanks for getting Tess on. I loved it. Until next time, man. All right. We'll talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye. All right.